so excited about our podcast today. Are we actually on the air right now? Or are we uh, are are you, we gonna start? Uh, I just I just clicked record right when you said that. So. Oh, there you we're are. On, yeah, but we're not yeah. on, we're not on the air on the air. I mean, we're not on the air. Yeah, you're going to edit, so I, I get that. Right. So this time I'm actually prepared. I went back and I actually, uh, you know, listened to your lot, your last podcast or one of your last ones on bad choices versus, you know, oh. making versus having bad choices. So I'm eager to talk to you about that. Ooh, yeah, what do you think? Because that has always been a little bone of contention between the two of us. Yes, yeah. actually. So I, yeah, I'll, I'll, I have a, I have an exercise for us to go through. Actually, sort of test that out, and because uh, I know you were soliciting feedback, so I thought part of our conversation. Uh, could be about that, but I uh, always I always solicit feedback. I I yeah. sometimes don't take it. Okay. Hey everybody, Todd Conklin, Free Accident Podcast. How are you? I'm hoping good in the midst of uh just it's a pandemic. I don't even know what to say. Turmoil, uncertainty. Jeez, now people I know are are getting COVID impacted. Huh, this it's it it'll never go away. I mean, it seems that way. I don't know. It's uh it's changed everything, and that's where we all are. And you doing okay? I hope. I mean, check in because. It's it's the weirdest thing how tension ebbs and flows and how, I don't know, optimism ebbs and flows. What do they call it? Doom scrolling when you when you read the news too much. It's just there's just so much going on. I, I wonder how we as human beings who, by the way, are incredibly resilient and people are that's to me. The miracle of life is how resilient people are. Horrible things happen and they get up the next morning and 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 treat their fellow human beings like people. It's amazing to me. It's, I think of it all the time. And I think about you all the time and how patient and kind you've been on this journey and how important it is to talk to one another and how building community, and there's so many people doing it. Um, it's great. This podcast today, however, uh, is going to be a barn burner. So if you have a barn, Get your hose ready because it's going to burn. That's that's. I don't often say that about podcasts, but this one is. So today I'm going to talk to David Marks. And if you don't know David Marks, that is all about to change. That's all I'm going to say. Because David Marks has been around a while. And if you don't know him, he, uh, he has a company called Outcome Ingenuity. And he works a lot with Just Culture. So a lot of you will have been to his Just Culture workshops. He does that. We have not agreed on stuff uh, for the last 20 years. It doesn't happen today either. I mean, it kind of does a little more um, because I think he's changing. That's what he probably says that about me too. But um, David works diligently around this idea of justice and uh, liberty for all people. And David contacted me, gosh, two weeks ago in the midst of all that's been going on around social justice and the pandemic and the economic crisis, you, you know, I don't have to tell you what's happening. You're there. I mean, you're living through it. And he said, I don't think you're brave enough to have a conversation with me on this, this topic, on the topic of social justice. And I said, well, no, I'm, I'm brave enough. I'd love to talk to you. I said, the only way I'll do it though is let's, let's do it for the podcast because I think that would be fun. And we're both fine with it. I mean, it didn't bother us. And we'll just invite people to come along the journey. And that is what you're going to listen. 
I, it's, I think some of you are going to be mad. That's okay, though. I mean, I'm fine with it. It uh, might drive you crazy. You know, the world is filled with different opinions, and so be ready for it. I mean, don't, don't be a chicken. Just be ready. There's going to be different opinions. And David and I don't agree on a lot of stuff, but he set up 10 case studies, 10 scenarios is maybe a better word, of which he wanted to talk about really accountability and this idea of free will versus predetermination. Really what he's talking about is the difference between the worker making at-risk behaviors. That's his term. That's not a term I would, in fact, when I said it, my mouth sort of tasted like uh, ickiness, right? And the difference between sort of the larger systemic issues that exist in the system. And that's always been our argument, so it's still our argument. But he said he did a lot of homework for this. So, therefore, it went long. I'll just tell you that before we get started. But I'm going to make it a two-parter because I think that's better than having to sit through the whole thing. And maybe it'll build some interest because the end of this gets pretty topical. And and we really do talk about the path forward, uh, uh, what it looks like tomorrow, and the ability to bounce forward out of this. And I think you'll find it... Um, I think you'll find it, well, I know you'll find it interesting. I think you'll find it compelling. And that's a bold statement to make as well. But listen to this podcast, understanding that disagreement is not a bad thing and diversity of opinion is important. And so it's not about bad people having bad ideas. It's about people having ideas and trying to understand where those ideas align and where those ideas collide. And we're going to see the world differently. You may see the, the world differently than we see the world. And that's okay. Because in times of great ambiguity, in times of great volatility, in times of great uncertainty, believe it or not, you guys, we want to increase diversity of opinion, not decrease diversity of opinion. And this conversation is set up to do just that. So part one, we're going to go through his 10 scenarios. You'll hear them all, and they are interesting and topical and as timely as the news is today. And then we'll continue that conversation in part two of the podcast to dig a little deeper and see where this all leads us and what really becomes important for us. Where do we end up taking this information? Because that's pretty cool. So that's the that's the layout of the podcast. The next two are going to really do that. Listen carefully. Thank you so much for being a part of this podcast community. Thanks for being patient and listening and caring about each other and doing the right thing and all the stuff you do because I'm proud of you. I'm certainly proud to know you, and I'm proud to be a part of you. So that's cool. So as you listen to me and to David Marks, think about the fact that it's okay to see the world differently. See what you think. Here's our conversation. So here's here's the deal, Todd. I I I uh, I listened to the making bad choices versus having bad choices, and it, it was compelling. Uh, you know, the whole issue of dealing with the system issues and when when what looks like a choice from the outside that uh, it, you know, I, and I've listened to your you know how you sort of talk about this that. That there, there, there's sort of only so many pathways that a person has. So, you know, ultimately, did they really have choice? And as you know, I'm on the free will uh, side of the philosophy. 
Right. Uh, there's the predestination side that we're just sort of destined to have this. Right. So I thought a cool thing to do is I want to I want to make a deal with you. OK, let's, I wanna, let's do it. All right, I want to give you 10 scenarios and, and they're quick scenarios. I'll read through them very rapidly. But uh, I'm going to ask you about accountability around the 10 scenarios. So, but what I want to so let me so ask, what I do. Let me ask this question before we go. Is yeah. These are all going to be retrospective events, because remember, uh, in retrospect, everything is a choice. Yeah, well, they, they ha- you're, you're going to, well, th- this will expand the company. I, I, don't, I can't know if I can answer that. They happened. They happen which, and they which, do happen. So the they're e- destined to happen in the future and they've e- happened in the past. The ED they are, part of that makes me think retrospective. That is yes. the past tense of the. Yes, this is the past tense because now the issue is now that they've occurred, what are we going to do? Uh, right. So here's what I want to do I want to give you 10 real life, uh, and you use the word worker, but worker scenarios. And here's what I'm going to do I'm going to stipulate that all of them have system and cultural antecedents. So everything you talked about in terms of getting to the underlying issues to why these behaviors occurred, I'm going to stipulate they all have system and cultural antecedents. They're all human and organizational performance issues. So I I think that for sort of the hop community, these are all human and organizational performance issues because they're happening in a work context. They uh, should all be the subject of an accident investigation or an event investigation, as I would say, um, and that we should all steadfastly look to fix the system and cultural issues that preceded these specific events. So, so it is looking retrospective. An event has occurred. We're going to go back and look. But that issue of sort of accountability. But on the front end, I want to say I'm going to stipulate they all have system and cultural issues. The problem when we say is the problem the employee or the system – I'm not going to answer that question, but I'm just going to say all of them have system and organizational issues. So are you ready? Here's the 10. I'm ready. I'm all right, ready. Here's the 10. I and, could and not let me be fin- more ready. And let me finish the 10, and then I'm going to ask you how these individuals should be held accountable uh, by their employers and, if appropriate, by society. So here's the 10. Number one, a school bus driver does not stop for a rail crossing because he was on approach to the crossing texting his girlfriend, causing the bus to be hit by an oncoming train. That's number one. Number two, an electrical line operator on a short business flight to a remote site announces that he is not going to wear a mask as it is his right not to wear one. Number three, an insurance adjuster given a drone to help assess hail damage is caught loitering the drone outside the second floor master bedroom window of a house while the occupant is taking a shower. Number four, a physical therapist working in a hospital peeks into the private medical record of his daughter's boyfriend. Number five, a teacher sends nude photos of herself to her 15-year-old student. Number six, a hiring manager throws a resume of a prospective employee in the trash because his name is Muhammad, saying to her colleague that she's not going to hire any Muslims. Number seven, a waitress significantly underreports her tips to the IRS because she's unable to pay her rent. Number eight, unsolicited and unprovoked, a male coworker in an office environment calls his female colleague an effing bitch. In, uh, number nine, in order to keep his workers employed, a bar owner keeps his bar open in violation of a city order to be closed during a spike in COVID-19 cases. And then number 10, a police officer buries his knee into the neck of a citizen while a citizen repeatedly yells out that he cannot breathe. The citizen dies. So there's 10 scenarios that I will say have system and cultural antecedents. 
all of which we have to sort of deal with the issue is, okay, are these choices? Do humans have agency? Did they choose these choices? Did they make the bad choice? Did they have the bad choice? But ultimately, I put back to you, Todd, is how would you think, because I'm going to say, let's go after the system issues. Heck, police officers, if you look at the data, they're, you know, we often talk about like NFL players, you know, they always are on the news for, for um, they're on the news for, uh, you know, uh, you know, punching a girlfriend and we think of them as very sort of violent, but their rate of actual sort of spousal girlfriend abuse is about the national average. But one group actually is four times the national rate and that is police officers. So when, when you look at the issues we're having right now around George Floyd, when we're looking at how do we uh, uh, deal with police culture, uh, there are clearly underlying system issues. If you're four times, if your job is law enforcement, but you have four times the rate of violent crime against your spouses, something in the system is messed up. Something in the culture is messed up. But how do you think about How do you think about accountability in those 10 cases? Well, so first I'd have to ask you how you define accountability. And how are we going to use the word accountability? Is it, syno- is it synonymous with discipline? No, it's, it's, it's what you want. Because everybody's going to look in and say, look, okay, I get what you're doing. You're going to try to deal with the system issues. You're doing an investigation. And actually what we find, the more culpable legal word, the more culpable to act, the more people are saying, look, I don't really care why he did it. You know, let's just, let's just throw him in jail. And clearly uh, uh, Derek Chauvin sort of is facing that in the George Floyd case. But in all these, you know, the teacher that sends the nude photos, it's just let's criminally prosecute the nurse and, or the teacher and put her in jail. Yet you go do Internet searches of how often do teachers send nude photos. Uh, it's not like this person, you know, Miss Kentucky was the first one to do it. It, it, it happens at some frequency. So the issue of accountability for you, it, it, part of that is, you know, what are we going to do in terms of sanction? But it is how do we society is still left with some sense of like people have to be held to account for their behavior. And what does that look like uh, in these cases? Because if, if they're really predestined to do this stuff, then the sanction is would be bad because it's like, look, sanction isn't going to do anything. It's not going to deter anything because they were destined to do these. Has, uh, has, has punishment caused other teachers to not send nude photos? Yeah, and that's that's a good question. So does deterrence work? Uh, and I think the answer is yes. Deterrence will, if you say to a bar owner, we're going to fine you if you keep your bar open, the answer is yes. Uh, is it, If we're going to fine you for not wearing a mask on an airplane, I think the answer is yes, it does work. Because people, in, 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 as we would talk about this, and you're not answering my question, I know, because you're so darn good at what you do. But the, the issue is people have agency, and the law, even historically, being a lawyer, would say people have to choose between good and evil. And the issue is making that calculus is trying to not have the incentive to engage in the behavior, one that they just can't help themselves and they go there. So, you know, we do say, as a, it, like going into a patient's record, uh, which happens which happens often in American healthcare, somebody peers in. You know, if, if we have a Hollywood star in the hospital, Somebody goes into his record. Jesse Smollett, I can't uh, say his name, in Chicago, like 50 people went into his medical record uh, after he was he would he he claimed he was uh, uh, victimized. Uh, 50 people went into his record, didn't belong there. And, and, and so the, the federal government says, look, if you go in somebody's medical record, look at their private health information, uh, you've committed the crime and the criminal system will come after you. Uh, does it detour? Well, it doesn't deter some people. Uh, does it deter, deter most of us? 
uh, who might desire to go in and look? That's the question. But I think we're seeing even around COVID-19, uh, what we what we see around uh, civil rights and discrimination, that those deterrents do work uh, with, when the when the behavior it reaches some threshold to, to where that person really does have to choose uh, between between good and evil. So, la- but that last that led, last kind of foundational question because yes. these are great examples. I love them, uh, and thank goodness you have a list because uh, you'll have to tick mark as we talk together. I know we're old memory. I had to put them down because we are both we're old, old, so we couldn't old. remember them. But I want all ten because all ten are beautiful. Last question is: How aligned are we to the bad apple theory? That's a are, good question. Are these, it, I, are these bad apples? Because the law enforcement example, it was driving me a tiny bit insane to hear the bad apple discussion. You know, there are lots of really good cops and a few bad cops. Uh, when I would actually suggest that bad apple theory is something both you and I have spent a great amount of our career getting organizations to look beyond. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm not. I, I, I'm not in a place of saying there's bad apples and good apples. I think. Uh, we all have it in us, uh, whether it's uh, gossiping about another person, whether it's cheating on our taxes, uh, you name it. We all have sort of thresholds and lines that we'll cross. And on a good day, we're pretty not, we're pretty model citizens. On a bad day, uh, we're less than model citizens. And I think it's an affliction that, uh, uh, it, you know, it, it's a fiction that 7 billion people on the planet have. Uh, so it's not so simply we have good apples and bad apples. So, so if we all share that affliction... What is it that aligns our moral compass? Yeah, what well, that's the, and there's a lot. There are a lot of systemic issues, right, that would cause a person to say, "Look, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sext messages to a 15 year old." That 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 everybody has sort of has that sort of line that says, "Look, I just find this uh, reprehensible behavior. I'm not gonna go there. I'll be socially condemned by my community if I do it." Uh, and as we know, people will do different things in private than they'll do in public. Uh, you know, the, the the congressman who made the comment about uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, you know, did he think he was in public or in private when he when he called her that language? Or did he would he have done it directly in front of her right live in the camera so everybody could see? So, you know, it's very it, you use the word context. It's very context specific. Right. Uh, back when I was a waiter and a bartender in college. Did we underreport tips? And the answer is, yeah, everybody did it. It's just what we did, you know. And, and do I think it's the right thing to do? No. Uh, but what did I engage in that behavior? Yes. Now I'm not going to do uh, all the things on this list by any uh, stretch. But even to the issue of like wearing a mask, and I think you've talked a little bit about this. Uh, you know, the, the environment that we're in today is is some people will wear, will wear a mask and say, look, I choose safety over liberty. But this really is a safety versus liberty thing, particularly for Americans, because uh, we hold on to liberty so tightly as a value that we don't want to be told what to do. So, so, I, so I'm not going to let you have that one. So that, yes, that, go that's, ahead. That's a construct. It never, uh, ever had to be safety versus liberty. I mean, you would not have this same conversation around fall protection. You would not put a person on a window cleaning unit in a tall building in Fort Lauderdale and say you can either wear a harness or you can be an American. That's a construct. Right. That's a complete yeah. construct, and it's a construct well, it that, was, that was systemic and divisive, and yeah, meant, and, and meant and meant quite purposely, I think, to separate. We could talk yeah. about the 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 conflict between safety and liberty, but it's a, it's a paradox. It's it's not a choice. 
Well, both things l- must coexist at the same time. And so we yeah. can create a false structure around that. And we can say, you know, you, if it's, so speaking entirely is probably the only person on this uh, discussion that has been publicly mass shamed in Western damn Kansas mm-hmm. by a biker lady. Um, I can speak wholly and tell you that that conversation was long and tedious and ended up with her in tears and me asking one question. Tell me again how your liberty is more important than mine. Right. Now, or how their liberty is more important than your safety. Well, or, or, or my liberty, right? Which is, right? which is an interesting part of this discussion that I, th- I think plays into this. Now, let's separate out criminal behavior. And oh, that, and I can yeah. do that. I can do that because the vast majority of the work we do is not criminal behavior. So if it's criminal, then in fact, there's, there's, there's a, a place to adjudicate that in a formal yes. process but, that, but I'm, I, that we can I'm follow. Be, I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to be a lawyer on here. You can. It, it's is, the, the, the issue is, is it, crime used to mean a high level of intention that I knew that I was engaging in uh, a dangerous choice or had knowledge or purpose to cause harm. It's not that way. We'll prosecute a pharmacist. We put, we had a pharmacist in Ohio who made a mistake on a patient. Well, it, it, what you and I would consider a human error uh, made a mistake and spent six months in jail. Crime, as you and I think about crime, as, you, as you're talking about crime, is not really what crime is today. Crime is anything a judiciary says this. I'll give you an example, the Clean Water Act. If you're uh, an environmental manager at a, uh, a chemical company or a hospital or whatever, uh, and you inadvertently, by mistake, all set up by the system, you dump pollutants into the local river like a can of paint, uh, you've committed a felony. Uh, per the law, because there's no intention that's required, and it is, it's a felony per the law. Uh, Civil Rights Act of 1964 said if you receive federal funds, which is any hospital in the U.S., uh, it is against the law uh, to provide disparate treatment between a black expectant mother and a white expectant mother. And since 1964, we've been struggling with how to correct that. Now, are, are doctors violating the law when by their implicit biases – they treat the black expectant mother different than the white expectant mother. Well, they're violating the Civil Rights Act of 1964. So, so I, I think setting aside crime, that's why we, we don't really talk about crime in our just culture model. We talk about that sort of five behaviors, but reckless knowledge and purpose are these more culpable behaviors. Uh, so back to these 10, before we continue that, back to these 10, you know, because somebody's going to say, it's like, look, what do I do with this electrical line operator who – uh, was just on the evening news, and he landed in the, the in uh, you know Las Vegas, and he got arrested, uh, got a citation because he said on the flight he wasn't going to wear a mask, and he's your employee. What are you going to do with that employee? With with that employee? Yeah. So I'm going to ask some questions, probably that are pretty interesting. So what kind of learning are we going to do around this event? So I'm going to do some kind of. Uh, investigatory process so I, i'm going to look into this as as the employer right 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 and then i'm going to i would add, hope well I'm, i i need to because i need to understand what's going on there you know is is this a is this an employee that um we've seen remarkably stunning excellent output from historically i mean i, I really want to know what's going on here i want to understand how this happened and i'm assuming he's on a work trip right yeah, he's on a business trip. So if he's on a work trip, then I have a little bit more ability in that to think about how I act, 
right? Now, I don't see the situation as necessarily terribly complex. I mean, from the employer standpoint, do I have a policy that says he needs to wear a mask yeah, when let, he's on a plane? Let, yeah, let's say you do. You, okay. you, you, yeah, because his safety outside work is the safety of crew members at right. work. Well, so that was the next question. Does he wear the mask when he's with in crew meetings? Does he wear it when he's in the vehicle with his fellow line people? I mean, yeah, these, these but, are all but, these are all really right. interesting questions that I'd want to understand um, to a great extent because I think those would make a huge difference for us. The crazy thing is I'm not going to have a lot of past practice around this. I mean, I guess I could look at um, PPE as as a as a rule. Look at his history of using PPE. Does he use ball protection? Um, does he clip in? Does he sort of meet? Does he use minim, minimum approach distance? I mean, sort of the classic lineman. Um, PPE use questions, and I would ha- I'd probably have some kind of record on that. My guess is, and this would be something I'd be really interested in knowing, is does he have a history of of activity with HR? Does he have a history with activity with his leadership? Those are all really important things. And then I would ask this question: Was this a willful, intentional violation of a company process? Yeah. So let's and, say it was. Well, I think I think it's going to be in this case. But although we're making this yeah. up, right? I mean, yeah. Well, no, we're not, well, no, we're not making this up because it's happening every day. Well, yeah, in, but in, in the US. I don't have any detail on on this scenario that I'm trying right. to get context on. But yeah. Let's, so let's assume so let's say he's, it's willful. He said he says he says to you, of course, uh, no. I I think the whole COVID nineteen is a hoax, and, and and it's not as big as it is. People get the flu all the time, and he says to you, look, it's just my right as an American citizen not to wear the mask. And I know you have a rule as an employer, but I was off duty. Um, and I said, I'm not going to do it. Well, I was actually on duty cause I was flying, but, um, I, I chose not to do it. Yeah. So I would make sure that off duty on duty question was answered so that he understood that when he's flying for my company on a business trip, on a company paid ticket to go out and do work of which I'm paying him to do that work, that he's at work and that, I- and that that means that the expectations for at work things are happening with great regularity to a level where I could validate and verify the presence of the PPE. And if it was in fact our policy that he needed to wear a mask while flying, right. Then I think that would give me one course of action by which I can understand that. And and I think I would look at a couple things, right? Um, Because I think you have, you have the local rationale, you have the, the employer issue, then you have the larger airline issue because I'm assuming he's on Southwest just because he's going to Las Vegas. Let's say that just because that's that's a tight one, right? And Southwest just announced today that if you don't wear a mask, you don't fly. So that actually would have made this problem a lot easier had Southwest created a system where there was a barrier to entry. And if a person chooses to not wear a mask on their flight, they simply do not fly that person. That would make the problem go away for me kind of easily. Yeah, or he takes it off off on the flight, and then you got another issue. Well, so then you get arrested, right? I mean, because when you're on a flight and you disobey the flight crew uh, under 13 CFR, yeah. is it 210? Yeah. So, but, but I if think he was I'm destined right. to do that, CFR 210, you should be duly impressed by the fact that yeah, I can just give good. you the CFR for that. But you're not talking about pre, you're not, you know, he's no, not predestined to do this, right? No, no, you're saying, I'm talking about the fact that the system in this case, if this was pre, pre the barrier to entry, if the airline let him fly without a mask, then no, they were upset. It, it made news. 
people are yelling and screaming at him, but he said, it's my right not to wear a mask. Well, so the policy he broke is not me as the employer. The policy he broke is the, the policy of the airline. Yeah. Now, he also, broke, he also broke my policy, and I'm going to deal with yeah. that, but that's a secondary issue right now. Now, yeah. now and what, 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 now what and I have to do Go ahead. Well, I say what's interesting is if he made the news, and he's, he's the guy, and it's, they pop up in the news every day, many employees strange because when it's a societal issue, we expect employers to mete out the disciplinary sanction. Like, okay, you're going to fire this guy. All right. So, so the insurance provider who sort of went wacky in the Costco got fired from his employer. You know, they come up the next day and say his conduct doesn't align with our values as an organization. We fire him. All right. And, and part of that issue is, is, well, did you do an investigation? All the questions you're going to ask. Uh, so you want to do the investigation. You are, I, are in sync about doing that investigation. The issue, as you sort of talk about, okay, but now we're sort of left with this employee that had some level of agency. And, and the question is, what are we as a society going to do with them uh, through the criminal system or administrative processes? Or what are we going to do as an employer? Well, I think the bigger, um, the bigger question above that, at least in my mind, is is what have we wrought in, in allowing – April, May, June, allowing four months of the belief that wearing PPE was was a direct affront against your liberty. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you. Liberty only exists with justice. And so there's always only going to be a relationship between liberty and justice. You know, I can't scream fire in a crowded movie theater. We understand that at a basic level. Now we're living through a gigantic case study around this. And and in this case, I. To me, the answer is, well, I don't know if this is the answer. There are many answers, but an answer that I'm very interested in is that if we don't want people to fly without masks, then the barrier to entry is that you don't fly without masks. Right. Right? I mean, that, that, and that's, you can't go to McDonald's without a mask now. Yeah. Right? And so well, you if, can go, right? Remember, all rules are voluntary. You can go. Well, the all rules what's going to happen when you're yeah, in there, right? All rules are ultimately voluntary, right? And the, yeah. the, the, the question I'd ask you, directly is is if we've built a large belief system around the fact that a mask is a affront to liberty is this still a choice what a place to stop the podcast (laughs) tune in next week will david marks tell todd conklin he's an idiot will todd conklin tell david marks he's right You don't know because you haven't heard it yet, but you can. And so the next episode of the Pre-Accident Podcast, David's going to take on that very question because it's an important question. His scenarios are incredible, and they don't go away, so don't worry. They're coming back. They're coming back again and again and again and again and again and again, well, at least for another 25 minutes. So you'll get to hear him. So tune in next week. Stay tuned. Listen carefully. I'm curious what you're going to think. Until then, learn something new every single day. Have as much fun as you possibly can. Be kind to each other. That's really important. I have to remember that. And for goodness sakes, be safe.